Blog Talk Radio. September 9th, 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and I am glad to see a number of the usual visitors over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. Hello to Arjun, Herman, John. Actually, two Johns, John Roberts, John Kenny, and then we have Jonathan Honig. Welcome. Um, honored to have you there. Kay Doolitter, Kay McInnes, uh, Doolittle, sorry, Kay. Uh, Sally, I see you over there, and Selfishness is joining as well. Other people are filing in. Uh, new listener, maybe, or, or at least lurker in the chat room, Harry. I don't think I've seen you there before, but welcome, welcome. Uh, I got a chirp from John here in the chat room. Arjun says, I got a mini panic attack from the Al-Qaeda article. Yeah, Arjun, you know, we're coming up on September 11th on Sunday. And so I did need to uh, go ahead and post that piece. Yeah, is something actually going to happen? I mean, who knows? You know, I'm doing this show on Friday, September 9th. And uh, it is, you know, still being edited and rebroadcast in Miami on Tuesday mornings and the entire show, you know, we each year we kind of live with the idea that there could be a repeat of some horrific thing on September 11th that uh, is going to change our world. You know, right after September 11th, so many of us thought that any kind of normal life as we know it would never happen again. And, you know, and I think given the magnitude of that attack and how unprecedented it was at the time, that it was understandable that we had that feeling, um, you know, and it, it's not to, you know, diminish what happened, but we are here, we are living, we are living now with the reality of Islamic terror as a constant in our lives. And, and we've seen more domestic terror attacks since 9-11. We haven't been you know, satisfied at all with what our leaders have done to counter this threat or, or protect us. So, um, yeah, we are still 15 years later living with this threat. And when the current leader of Al Qaeda, yeah, you know, they're playing whack-a-mole with these guys, but there's, there's one there who feels bold enough to make some sort of threat. We, we take it somewhat seriously. So if people do want to talk about that, or any of the other things that I've got over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com, you are welcome to call in and do so. The number is 
760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. We did have a big discussion on immigration last week. I don't have immigration on the slate of topics. I'm sure we will be discussing that topic again on the show. Not so much probably today. I have things that are kind of a little bit more fun generally over at the blog. The title of the show officially over there is Earbuds, AirPods, and Aleppo. Uh, We are going to be talking about foreign policy, obviously, because of the Aleppo and also because of the foreign policy forum that gave rise to this whole earbud or earpiece controversy with Hillary Clinton. So we'll go ahead and talk about that. So I've got the earbud earpiece controversy. I've got the new Apple products that we can discuss, including the controversial AirPods. Are you going to be an early adopter of the AirPods or not? I guess if you really wanted to get your pre-order in early, you should have already done it by the now, by time, you know, and if you haven't done it yet, just stop listening to my show. Just go order your Apple stuff. You know, I posted this, there's a, one of the watches that I thought was particularly cute. Like, and I posted this like, just shut up and take my money, Apple. It is exciting when Apple brings out products that you are eager to get. Um, You know, again, even today, even with all of the bad news, as I understand, I took a brief glimpse, the stock market is doing some horrible yuckies today. Is it because they're anticipating a rate increase from the Fed? Is that what's behind it? Is it that they are really scared about Hillary Clinton becoming president because she needs an earpiece in her ears that she that maybe she's that incompetent and that is a provoking fear. Who knows what the reason is? Maybe Jonathan wants to call in and tell me what he thinks the reason is for this latest. Everyone, I mean, what I saw was that they were speculating about the crash. Uh, what else do we have? We've got the Aleppo story, and that is probably funnier because of the New York Times gaffes in reporting on Gary Johnson's gaffes than anything else. And then I've really got this interesting thing. You're just going to have to see it for yourself. I mean, we'll talk about it a little here. But there was a man who managed to smuggle a bunch of photos back from a trip to North Korea, which is apparently really, really difficult to do because photos by tourists are prohibited. And, you know, just when we're seeing headlines in the news of North Korea continuing to test nuclear weapons and apparently the blasts are getting stronger and stronger it's a little bit ominous also to see what life is like over there and we're going to follow up with a little bit of discussion of dog agility which uh, unfortunately is, is necessary to do this week because of the loss of a champion uh, this week so we will do all of those things go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com you know it's funny I put that dog agility thing last I'm supposed to put the good news last but I mean, the good news is that something like dog agility still exists in the world and that we can still care about it. So how about that? Um, Go to the blog, like I said, don'tletitgo.com. Check out the new art if you didn't see it from last week. I'm really excited about the new cover art over there. And call in if you do want to talk about some of these topics, 760-888-5817. And I will also try to keep a good eye on the chat room over here at blog talk radio. Let's see here. I've actually got a question in the chat room and I guess it's a law, a law question. Hmm. Got to put my law brain on. It says, hi, Amy, I have a question. What do you think of a law that says an adult cannot smoke in their car? If an under 18 year old person is also in the car, even if it is their own child, ha. 
I would tend to say, you know, because I haven't seen, and you know, I was a child whose mother smoked two packs a day. She was just a chimney, my mom. Okay. So I was in the car with her all the time growing up as a kid with the cigarettes and everything else. And as far as I know, I mean, here I am, you know, uh, I'm healthy and I never became a smoker. I never got addicted to any of this stuff. It is the case, as I understand, even if people are heavy smokers, that if they give up smoking, then within 20 years, the lungs will regenerate. I don't know of a case of a child having this sort of irreparable damage. Now, suppose the child has asthma, right? Um, and then you might say that smoking with a child who's asthmatic in the car would amount to child abuse. But see, I would put it under standard child abuse laws. So if you could show me a case in which smoking in a car with a child amounts to physical child abuse, and in, you know, some cases of impaired breathing function in a child, it might amount to that. But I think in a normal healthy child that this is not going to rise to the level of child abuse any more than feeding them all the time at McDonald's or other kinds of junk food and stuff like that. You know, Oh, people said the, the sound was low for a couple of seconds there. Let me know if you do have more problems with the sound. Of course I had been cut off in the past, so I'm going to try to keep a monitor over at the blog talk radio studio to make sure that I continue to remain connected throughout the course of our program as well. Unfortunately, it's happened twice in the recent past, so we'll see how we do. Um, they say in Australia that this law has been enforced several years ago, banning smoking in the car with children. I think it's bad to smoke in a car with children. Obviously, it's an issue of morality versus what do you think that the law can do, and you really would have to make a demonstration of physical abuse. And I don't know enough about the consequences. And I said, I've got the anecdotal evidence in my own case that I grew up healthy and athletic and, uh, you know, able to, to do all sorts of stuff. Huh, so people are losing sound. Okay, so it could be your own internet connections as well. Sorry if you're having trouble with your sound, but yeah, refresh if you end up having trouble with the sound. So first refresh if you're having trouble with your sound or, you know, if it's a persistent trouble. And then if not, write in the chat and let me know and I will be on the lookout for that. So yeah, if you do want to call in, you can also call in and you can listen. I guess the connection when you call in, if you just want to listen there is pretty good too. 760-888-5817. So go to the program notes. First link that you'll see is that I did an appearance on House Rules with Michael Hausam, and that was earlier today, so I hope you enjoy that. There I was singing the praises of Apple, not just from the product perspective, and we'll talk about the products here a little bit on this show today, but I was giving Michael Hausam my standard rundown of the praises of Apple because of their privacy policy and because of the way that Apple allows you to customize the products so that you can get visual reminders of your values and always keep your values forefront in your life. Facebook allows for a lot of this as well. I think all good tech products allow for customization in a way that reflects your values. And this is something that we see 
with some of the new Apple Watch options and everything as well. So listen to that uh, piece. I think it was about half hour that I spent with him. I think you'll enjoy it. And he's a good guy. I hope to have him on here at some point as well. And that'll be a good discussion. He wants to discuss altruism through the lens of Sam Harris. It could be fun. Okay. So on to Hillary Clinton and this whole earpiece controversy. I'm interested to hear, hear earpiece, haha. Read in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio if you want to, or you can call in, like I said, 760-888-5817. And let me know where you come down on this earpiece controversy. The original story, as far as I can tell, goes back to the link, that first link that I have over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com from True Pundit. And True Pundit is reporting that the NYPD says that Hillary Clinton was wearing an invisible earpiece to receive stealth coaching during the NBC TV live town hall that they had on foreign policy the other night. Story says that Hillary Clinton was sporting a mini earbud wired to receive stealth communications from her campaign handlers during Wednesday's Commander-in-Chief Forum carried live on NBC from New York, True Pundit has learned. They say while she was fielding questions from Matt Lauer and the public as well on Wednesday night, a quiet buzz started circulating in New York law enforcement circles about her left ear. NYPD sources involved with the NBC forum security detail confirm. So they've got sources, witnesses, right? You know, because you look at pictures, right? If you look at pictures, it could be photoshopped, right? I've, I have seen the magic of Photoshop, for example, on the cover art at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. It's also the art for the the new art for the show. That is a wonderfully Photoshopped version of Raphael's School of Athens. I mean, what you can do with Photoshop is amazing. So if we see photos online, those could be doctored. But to me, it's the, you know, confirmation. It is the eyewitness testimony of these people from the security detail, people brave enough to actually come out and say something against Clinton, right? But they say that she was wearing what they call an inductive earpiece, This is the same technology, this truepundit.com is reporting, this is the same technology that's employed by almost all lead Broadway actors to receive forgotten lines and stealth offstage cues from the directors. The flesh-colored earbud is easily concealed. There are no wires running directly to the ear like you see with the units employed by Secret Service Protection detail personnel. They say the skin tone piece that Clinton was wearing, however, was somewhat different from the standard issued stealth earpiece. And they say that it's a micro earbud, contains all the technology, but it's a fraction of the size with a very high price tag. They say it's normally issued to law enforcement or corporate security teams. At a size that small, the earbud is designed to sit inside the opening of the ear canal, almost invisible to anyone. However, it does move and shift along with its wearer at times, can slightly pop out of the canal and require a quick readjustment. Then they say, based on experts familiar with the technology, it operates on a bandwidth 300 hertz to 4 kilohertz. Many such units are powered by Sony. Range can be unlimited depending on how her back end is set up. Technically, you could receive cues from 100 feet away or from someone sitting in Washington, D.C. while you sat in New York City. So whoever's feeding her the info they say could be set up anywhere. 
They say the setup and range is flexible based on need and use. It doesn't require Bluetooth to operate via short distances, but long-range operations would require Bluetooth, but that's easily configured, they say. Um, moreover, right, you know, in, in terms of evidence for this, they have a video, and you can watch the video, and, and, and you can see throughout this video, and obviously I'm not going to just play the audio because you really need to see the video to get both of the things that I'm talking about here. But if you go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com, you go to this article and you actually watch the video, you can see what does look like a little earpiece in her ear throughout this time through her left ear. Also, when you look at the way that she's answering the question, I think you have to ask yourself this. You have to ask yourself whether you are getting the impression that there is any cognition going along with her vocalization, right? Because if she's being fed an answer, all she's doing is repeating what's ever coming through in her ear. And she's not actually processing it cognitively herself. When I look at what she's doing in this video, it doesn't look to me like she's processing cognitively. But I have to admit that I have not watched enough Hillary Clinton footage because I just can't stand watching her really to know. So you can take a look. You can be your own judge, your own eyewitness to this. But my, you know, keep in mind here, we've got eyewitness testimony. It's not just based on photos. Any of these photos, like, you know, for example, again, if you go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com, the next link that I have after this one is something that I put up from the Daily Beast. This is the counter post and they say Hillary Clinton did not wear an earpiece here are close-up pictures to prove it the funny thing though is the initial picture that is on that story the at the top of that story looks like there is something in Hillary Clinton's left ear the top picture does look like that it's not the super close-up that they have later in the story then they have a super close-up later in the story and from the particular angle it doesn't necessarily look like there's anything there the one below it they say oh look here's a close-up to prove it there's hair covering it so I can't tell what in the world's going on but really I would say that we are not going to go by the photo evidence right uh, that to me that's not going to be something that's reliable given the state of the art of photoshop today that's available for people it's going to be you know looking at what she was saying did she seem like she was being fed answers or did she seem like she was actually cognitively processing what she was saying while she was saying it? And then, you know, we've got the eyewitness testimony. The other evidence that we have comes from WikiLeaks. And that's another separate link that I put, but it was also something that was contained in the, you know, the first link to the story, but WikiLeaks, so they say piles on to the Clinton earpiece conspiracy. This is over at the Hill. Notice that the Hill is calling it a conspiracy. Is it a conspiracy uh, to think that maybe there is this earpiece there? Again, if you have somebody who is an eyewitness, if you have this video footage where you say, okay, look, maybe it looks like she's being fed an answer. But more importantly, here is this email from Huma Abedin to Hillary Clinton from September 2009. And she's saying, did you take your earpiece or do I need to get it? Right? Um, 2009 email that she was asking her, did you take an earpiece, I guess, to some event that she was going to at the time 
or she says, do I need to get it? That this was probably something that she routinely wore when she went to events. So um, it's a little bit disturbing there, right? Definitely disturbing. Um, What do you think over here in the chat room? Harry says, Hillary is immoral from any standard. (laughs) Is she a beard? Sally says, oh, no. Uh, just Jean agrees with me. Yeah, photos don't mean much to do to Photoshop. Yeah, it, it just, I mean, for them to do that, to even have this as a supposed refutation, right? You've, you've got an eyewitness. And basically, I would think if you want to discredit an eyewitness, you would either cross-examine or, you know, basically say, what did you see? You know, was it really reliable? Maybe you weren't as close enough to really see if it was that versus the structure of the ear, you know, you would cross examine whoever this eyewitness is. And in the case of the evidence brought forth by WikiLeaks, you would have to talk about the reliability of that. Arjun says, this topic is boring. Am I wrong here? Um, it doesn't make her worse. She can't be much worse. So, so, so here's the, the question, right? And I asked this in the intro to the show, what difference does it make whether she's wearing an earpiece? Does it matter? whether she's wearing an earpiece. John says, I wonder if she ever gets that thing stuck in her ear. Uh, you know, and, and I was, you know, you're, it's kind of, you say, okay, it's kind of boring. Um, you do wonder whether the whole thing is being brought up to distract you from some bigger, larger problem. Maybe it's 9-11's coming up. Maybe it's North Korea is, you know, continuing to test these nuclear weapons and that we should actually be paying attention to that. There's going to be this huge stock market thing, but we're all supposed to, you know, we're sitting here about the earpiece. Is it important that Hillary Clinton is wearing an earpiece to get prompting of answers in these events? And I would say yes, certainly. Um, There has been a significant amount of evidence recently that we might reasonably worry about her health. There have been doctors, and I didn't put links to all this, but you can go find it if you want. There are doctors who are speculating that she is showing symptoms of Parkinson's. And Parkinson's is not only a life-threatening disease. I have a great uncle, my grandmother's brother, who died of Parkinson's. This is something that eventually would kill you. But it would also impair your mental capabilities. I don't know if it's Parkinson's. Maybe it's problems with blood clots. Who knows? But if she is, you know, are we evaluating her when we are watching these events, when we're going to watch a debate, when we're watching this type of forum? Uh, any of the performances that she's given, suppose she's worn earpieces since 2009 consistently in all of these public appearances that we've seen her in. We're not even evaluating this person when we're voting for her. For whom are we voting? And you say, okay, well, then you're voting for, you know, the great people she's got behind the scenes. And I feel wonderful about that. But here's the deal. Yes, obviously, when you vote for somebody, you are also voting for people that they're going to choose and have for them behind the scenes. But if she is a person who cannot think on her feet, who has to actually be prompted with an audio signal in her ear at all of these important events, these public appearances, then is she a person who can be trusted to consistently keep the right people on staff? Right now, I'm not saying that Trump is any prize, by any stretch of the imagination. And yep, Gary Johnson, he's disappointing. We have another example of that this week as well. But if Hillary Clinton is so bad off that she needs an earpiece to 
answer questions. That's, that's a worry. That is a worry. Uh, Harry says that Trump would have good people behind the scenes. I mean, he, here is the deal. As far as we know, when we are watching Trump, we're getting Trump. We don't know of any earpiece there. So you can say, okay, you know, there's people he's chosen. He doesn't have anybody feeding him from behind the scenes as far as we know. But if we find out that Hillary Clinton does have people feeding her answers behind the scenes consistently in these public appearances, that is a problem. We are going to then question her ability to think on her feet and make all the judgments necessary, not only as commander in chief, but as chief executive of our executive branch, United States. So I think it does matter. It sounds a little boring and, and you say, okay, well, you know, can you really know? And I think one important thing to do is to say, okay, you know, what sort of evidence do we have of this? And what sort of evidence would you dismiss? And I, I dismiss the photographs. The video I think is interesting. I think it's probably harder to visually manipulate video, although that can be done as well. We know that. Uh, the thing that is, you know, perhaps more worth your time is to consider whether Hillary, uh, whether Hillary Clinton looks like she's engaging in any sort of cognitive effort there, or if she is just mouthing what's being fed to her through the mic. Mind you, I would think the skill of mouthing whatever is being fed to you through the mic, that's a skill in and of itself that would probably take some automatizing. But, you know, Again, I think that there's a difference between thinking on your feet and seeing that mental process in someone's eyes. You know, you just you just get a sense that they are actually thinking about what they're saying while they're saying it versus just sort of mouthing some words off. This is a, a skill that you have to learn. For example, suppose you have a prepared speech on a sheet of paper, and even if you've written the speech yourself, you know, Forget somebody else having written the speech for you. Even if you've written the speech yourself, it can be difficult to deliver that speech as if you're actually thinking about the content. That is a skill that you have to develop. And, and Leonard Peikoff used to tell me about how he was taught that skill. Uh, and in fact, these are the days that they were friendly with Nathaniel Brandon. And apparently Nathaniel Brandon was pretty good at this skill and, um, was was teaching it to different people and was one of the people and uh, you know give give credit where it's due if somebody has this skill but that that's a skill that you have to develop anybody who is a good orator knows how to deliver a speech that was pre prepared probably rehearsed a million times edited a million times you're sick of the speech and yet you're delivering it as if you are thinking of these ideas for the first time so that's the kind of you know, thinking that is in my mind when I'm watching that Hillary Clinton video. And when I looked at it again, it looked a bit stilted. So you can tell me what you think. WikiLeaks, how much do you trust them? Another thing to think about. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Amy, it's Corey. How are you? It's Corey. Corey, yes. Can you hear me? Corey, welcome to the show. Did you call before? I'm not sure. I know I've seen you around, but I'm not sure if you had called in. Yeah, it's been a, probably about a month or two, but yeah, I've okay. called in before. Right. Um, right. I, I have a question for you. Actually, it's more of a, I don't know, it's interesting. I'm in Minnesota, and uh, mm -hmm. the DFL, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the DFL is trying to get Trump off the ticket, off the ballot in Minnesota. Have you heard about that? Oh, my this? gosh. No. Yeah. So uh, apparently, um, 
There's a, peti a petition uh, that names Secretary of State as Steve Simon. I'm kind of reading off of our uh, Star Tribune website. I just mm -hmm. heard about this a couple of days ago. But now DFL, DF, DFL, the acronym stands for? Democratic Farm Labor. De Democratic Farm Labor. Okay, so Democratic Farm Labor is trying to get Trump off the ballot in Minnesota. In Minnesota. So you've, you've got a letter that they're writing to the Secretary of State? Well, I don't have the letter. I'm just reading off the news site here, our local like Star Tribune website. Mm -hmm. So okay. it says the petition, the petition is going around. It said the state GOP aired at its state convention on May 20th to 21st in Duluth, where delegates at large and from each of Minnesota's congressional districts nominated 10 presidential electors, but failed to nominate 10 alternate electors. And it says okay. here, the, pe the petition quoted the law as saying presidential electors and alternates for the major political parties of this state shall be nominated by delegate conventions called and, uh, and held under the supervision of the respective state central committees of the parties of this state. And then it just continues on as this language is clear and unequivocal. Alternatives shall be nominated, but not, you know, not unilaterally laterally by party leaders, but by delegate conventions. And it's after the convention, the chair of each major political party must then certify the names of the persons nominated as presidential electors and alternates at the convention as well as the names of the party candidates for president and VP of, to the Secretary of State at least 71, day, excuse me, 71 days before the general election. So, so the point is, is that he didn't nominate the alternates in the proper way, and so therefore he might not be qualified for the ballot? Is that? That's what they're trying to argue, yeah. Okay. It's going to the Supreme Court. So. Wow. And, yeah. and, but as, as of now... Because I, I had heard some rumblings before about maybe he wasn't on the ballot in all the states. Is this the only state where he has the risk of not being on the ballot that you know of, or you just—I mean, obviously you know your local news, so I'm putting you on the spot a little. But no, that's okay. I, no, this I is, haven't heard of anything else. This is the only one. And you know what? Our our state, my state, is like communist controlled anyway. So I, <laughs> I mean, think I've heard it that. Wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that you know. I think Sonny Lohman's from here, isn't she? I don't remember. Exactly, she exactly, but and that's anyway. where I've heard it from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it's crazy. I mean, I just I couldn't believe when I read. It. I'm like, I laughed because my mom posted this, you know, on my Facebook today earlier, and I'm like, this is this is. I I, I guarantee that Trump is laughing. He's not worried about this. There's no way. I don't think there's any way that they can keep him off. And if they do, he's not going to win Minnesota anyway, but I can't imagine that they would keep him off. I, I don't, I don't know how this, you're the more into the law thing. So I thought I would ask, you know, your advice. On, yeah. I mean, me. you know, again, election law is so diverse, you know, state by state by state, everybody has different procedures. And this was one of the things, you know, because this election cycle has been so dismal and contentious because of its, you know, being so dismal, everyone has gotten more involved in the kind of state by state convention procedures and processes and everything else. And, you know, this one stole this and that one stole that, and that was an unfair and it's probably all gone the way that it was supposed to, but nobody understands what the hell is going on from state to state, like all over the country with their procedures. And that's going to be true of something like this. I don't even know the, I mean, this is, Am I going to say embarrassing or not or whatever? I just don't know the equivalent even of the California 
procedures because I've just never been that involved. I've been involved at the level of which candidate am I voting for and do I support? And this election cycle, had Ted Cruz been the Republican, I would have probably actually gone out there and made, you know, phone calls. I mean, he was he was off the ballot before the primary even came here in California. I had been slated to go the Saturday after he dropped out of the race. I was going to go to one of these volunteer stations and make phone calls and stuff. I think it was Dana Rohrbacher's office or something. And that would have been fun. I've never, ever done that in my entire life. So that's how uninvolved I've been. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I I wouldn't I wouldn't know that that particular law. And You know, are they going to are they going to exclude him on a technicality? That would be really probably unwise to do. Um, yeah. And 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 especially if it's not going to make a difference anyway, because it's not a swing state. If it's pretty clearly going to go for Hillary Clinton. Oh yeah. Doubly so. Yeah. But you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't put anything past our state. The Al Franken election was totally corrupt. I don't know if you heard much about that, but they found a bunch of votes in a guy's trunk and they counted votes. He actually lost. The first time Al Franken ran, he lost. He was dead and buried, but he sued. It was so close. You know, it was within that whatever 1% margin or whatever. I mean, I, I grew up watching Al Franken, you know, on comedy TV and stuff. Like, this guy's a politician. Oh, my God. Yeah. Go ahead. He was on Jeopardy yesterday, by the way, and he actually won. But he was like the easiest answers. You know, I was following along, and, you know, I'm at the gym or whatever, and I see Al Franken on Jeopardy. And uh, mm-hmm. it was like just television questions and stupid stuff. And I don't know. They're doing this thing on Jeopardy. With, never mind. We're getting off track. But anyway, he's a, he's. But anyway, I couldn't believe it. So yeah. So we're corrupt. I mean, Minnesota is super corrupt, man. It's like Chicago. We're not far from there. So Crook County. You know, I, I'm not sure if I got to talk about this on the show a while ago, but I had this article, and I think I had shared the link in the program notes. There was one of these. You know, they do these indices of various things about our government and quality of life all around the world. And United States gets its butt kicked all the time now, unfortunately. I mean, we should be kicking everybody's butt on every index around the entire world, given the origin of our country on the principle of individual rights and and uh, particularly the right to the pursuit of happiness in, you know, enshrined in our founding documents. And we can't get all this stuff right. It's, you know, it's, it's just a sad state of the world when we're there. But there's a corruption index. Right. And I think it's, you know, number one would be the least corrupt in the world. And I can't remember which one that was probably one of the Scandinavian countries or something. They're just kicking our butt. And then we United States number teen, I believe it was certainly it was 15 or more of corruption in the entire world. And that's pathetic that. Mm -hmm. We are not at least in the top 10 for least corrupt. I mean, come on. So, yeah, I, I believe it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just terrible. I hate, I just can't stand watching the news here, especially. It's just crazy. I can't, I just tune it out. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. It just drives me crazy. So, so let me, let me ask you a question. Where, uh, where are you, Corey, on this earbud thing? Do you believe that she was probably wearing an earpiece, an earbud of some kind or not? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anything past her, not anything. I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm just, uh, that to me is, I'm not surprised if, if it turns out, I, I believe it. I believe it. Sure. I, why not? I mean, I totally buy that. Um, she, I do. And I've been trying to figure out, I was on that WikiLeaks uh, story. I've been ta- looking at that 
it was a couple of weeks ago, I think, is when I first heard that Julian Assange put that out that she has Parkinson's. I'm like, I could totally buy that. You know, you see the, the videos uh, of her shaking and this and that and uh, reacting. So wait, so is it, and, is it Assange? Is it Assange she's putting out there that she has Parkinson's? As far as I knew, it's been a couple different medical experts in the United States who have, you know, watched all the different performances and, you know, the, right. the falling down here and, and yeah. you know, different, different ways that she holds her hand. You know, I had a friend who was talking about this and he was saying that, um, that there's different things that Parkinson sufferers will do to minimize the shaking and that Hillary Clinton routinely does some of these things like put your hand on your hold, chest or something, hold, hold your yeah, two fingers on. together. Right. Well, what she does is she'll, and she bounces. you'll see, she has to hold on to like railings. Uh, she has to hold on. Like when she went and visited with Biden uh, to that lady's house or whatever, I don't remember where that was, whatever at his, in his hometown, she, they went and visited this lady, whatever friend of his or whatever. And she was grabbing onto everything. They were in their, the, the lady's kitchen and she's grabbing onto chairs and whatever right. she can just not to fall down. I mean, it's pretty, it's very blatant. I mean, it's right there. You know, it's really blatant and, She's but I, I didn't think now, it was a function of WikiLeaks as much as these medical experts, you know, out there opining. Yeah, no, I I saw it was really briefly. I didn't like get into a whole big article, but I saw a, a Julian Assange, uh, you know, has claimed that, and I can't remember where it was. I don't know if I, if I was on Drudge one day or something, but there was a Julian Assange is about to announce that or you know leak that she's suffering from Parkinson's. I remember that clearly. And that's why I got that in my head a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, and then I started looking at these videos of her, you know, and her issues. You know, we, we have, we have not seen the big thing yet. Right. Cause he's in the past couple of weeks, he's been out there saying, okay, I have something that's coming. It's coming. If he's going to leak that, that would really be interesting. And it, it would make more sense that he would want to leak that because, even though he's quite liberal, as far as I understand, you would nonetheless want to have, you know, a, a president or commander in chief who, who is healthy because Parkinson's involves physical and mental impairment from what I understand of it. So it would be quite disturbing if she does have Parkinson's and she is concealing it, leave it to a Clinton to get away with something like that though. And, sure. and I, you know, will we be able to learn such a thing before the election? I don't know. Uh, John Kenny well, in the chat what, room says that Dr. Jimmy Kimmel says Dr. that Drew. she's okay. Dr. Jimmy Dr. Kimmel what, says that she's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. he, well, he's a big lip. What, what about Dr. Drew getting fired from HLN for saying, or did you, I don't know if you've heard about that or not, but yes. he went on and said, he goes, well, I, he, he said, well, he goes, I don't know what's going on. He goes, I know that she's, whatever care she's getting is, is not good. I don't know what, I'm not saying I know what she has, but her care, whoever I'd be questioning and talking to the people who she's receiving. Well, care and, and, you know, then you'd say, okay, well, if she has Parkinson's at what stage of the disease is she, what I would say is, you know, she, we have heard that she does a lot of yoga. And if you are a healthy person who does a lot of yoga, your balance and everything else should be tremendous. Right. Yeah. It should be wonderful. So sure. Yeah. I don't yeah, do yoga it, myself, so. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, you know, when she was talking about there was thousands of emails having to do with yoga and this and that. Uh, right. Now, 
you know, if you're a sufferer from Parkinson's and then you're doing yoga to try to keep, you know, your, your skills up and stuff, that's a whole different thing. But to me, a healthy person who regularly does yoga should be someone who isn't so balanced and everything else, right? Right. You know, and she was she's 69, going to be 70 probably by the time, you know, she's elected maybe. I don't know. But that's pretty old, man. I mean, well, I mean, you know, it, it, that that's relative too. I mean, you've seen these 90-some-odd-year-old people out there, you know, running track and field events and things like that, which is incredibly yeah. inspiring and awesome. What the body can do and what people think it can do are probably two different things. Um, so should we stop speculating about Hillary's health now and uh, and go on with our show? Well, we could just well yeah, and we could just declare it. She's she's sick for sure. So it's just we have, you know it's it's for sure. I'm sure of it. So <laughs> you're you're pretty sure about it. You're pretty convinced oh, that she's yeah. got some sort of a major health health issue that she's concealing. Oh yeah, I know. I, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, it's pretty it's pretty blatant out there. So I, I don't know. I would be. I'm, I'm and and, and you is. would and you would agree that this is not just. Oh, some conspiracy and unfair and everything else, but this is an actual important issue because we're talking about electing our chief right. executive and commander in chief. See, I'm not a conspiracy yeah. guy though, so I mean, I've seen enough that I, I buy it totally. I just don't know exactly what it is. I'd put money on it though. Okay. Well, we have it there from Corey. Thanks for your call, Corey, and we yep. will talk again. Back over here in the chat room. Didn't her own doctor vouch for her health? Uh, Arjun says Leonard Peikoff is perfectly fine and he's 82. You know, everybody's got their health struggles here and there. Um, you know, Leonard Peikoff's not running for president. That is an incredibly demanding job. And if you remember years ago, Leonard Peikoff had said, you know, physically it was hard for him to do three hours of radio five days a week, that even that, imagine the the stress of president. It is, it is a, a significant issue, but obviously we can't, really spend any more time on it than it's worth gave you the few stories to look at for this week this earpiece it is a kind of funny thing and it's in a he said she said a little bit but remember you have security detail eyewitnesses and as far as i know those witnesses have not um you know declared to be unreliable in any way shape or form they haven't been shown to be unreliable and that would be the way to do it, to say that either this WikiLeaks email talking about an earpiece from 2009, that somehow it's a fraud or a phony, that it's not real, or that the eyewitness testimony is somehow bad or unreliable. And, and that is not anything that we've seen. Other than that, in terms of positive evidence, like I said, photographs, forget photographs, but go to the videos. Really, the videos are, are the key. So let's go back to don'tletitgo.com. You hear me zooming over there with my computer. And this is where we've got the program notes for the show. After the little thing about the earpiece controversy, I do have a YouTube video that you can watch in your spare time for, I don't know, either it's going to make you ill or entertain you, depends on what mood you're in. But you have Hillary Clinton lying under oath. She's under oath and she's talking about how there isn't anything in her email that's marked classified, right? 
And then you have the clip from Comey where he's talking about all of the classified information, all the three different levels of classification that they found in the emails that they analyzed over at the FBI. And moreover, as I understand of those emails, at least three of them were clearly marked classified. So did she lie under oath, which of course would be felonious? right? She commits a felony right there on on TV. Or is she going to say, well, I was unaware that those emails were marked classified. Remember, I said marked, and she's going to parse it and everything else. Again, never think of pain or danger enemies a moment longer that's necessary to fight them. But it is important, I think, to get the information out there about Hillary Clinton so that you know for whom you're voting if you decide you are voting for her. Um, By the way, Obviously, I'm not a big fan of Trump either. I don't think I'm going to vote for Trump unless for some reason I get really scared and think that my only chance of immediate survival right before the election is to vote for Trump. But boy, I would really try to avoid it. By the way, over in the program notes, I had intended to put a link to an overall kind of New York Times story giving you the substance of this foreign policy forum that this is all about, right? This is, this is a meta story and the substance of the story really is what was said during the foreign policy forum. Um, I had a New York times. I'll go ahead and add that to the program notes later. So you can check it out. One thing that I've seen Clinton be criticized for substantively at that forum is when she promises she's never going to put the troops in Iraq and Syria again. And of course, We already have troops there now, and it's like she seemed unaware that there were some there now. She was talking about – she was speaking as if there aren't any there and as if – you know, she says, okay, well, I'm not going to put any there again, as if she was unaware of the fact that we have some over there. Trump, he gets a pass on things like that. Why? Because he doesn't speak in specifics about foreign policy the way that she does. So one way to look at this little NBC foreign policy forum is that it may have been a little test run for Hillary Clinton to see how she does, give her a a softball issue, which is foreign policy. Foreign policy, she's going to look a lot more knowledgeable than Donald Trump. Let her have this little showcase, test out her earpiece technology or whatever other ways that she is getting through. Maybe she's ill and they're pumping her full of certain drugs and stuff. Can she perform under pressure? Let's go ahead and have a little mini dry run of it. And, you know, there she did. Did she do okay? She probably did okay overall. Uh, I think that was, you know, probably the verdict. And she got some digs in on Trump with regard to Putin, whether he was a big supporter of Putin and everything else. Now, what is this here? We are talking about, let's see, Fiona in the chat room. Um, okay, I think, uh, yeah, Corey, he's got a show as well, I guess. So Pete, he's talking that, about that over there in the chat room. So uh, very cool. Very cool that you started doing this. I mean, a lot of people, if you have something to say, you can get out there on Blog Talk Radio. Pretty easy. Uh, Sally says, isn't an earpiece just a step up from the teleprompter? Well, here's the thing. Are are the teleprompters giving information to the candidates when they are asked questions? No. So, for example, during a live debate, 
It's not that the candidate is going to get information on how to answer the questions from a teleprompter. Teleprompters are there, you know, they're aids when you are giving a speech. And uh, so the earpiece is something that's allowing you, you know, everybody knows that the teleprompter is there. It's understood that if you're giving a speech, it's acceptable to have a teleprompter or some sort of notes in front of you. Of course, it's better if you can give a speech like Ted Cruz can off the top of his head, speak for an hour or whatever on the issue of freedom of expression. So, uh, oh, now Corey's talking about his show. The show is called Closet Objectivists. Oh, I have seen a little bit about this, so I'm going to have to check it out. That's that's kind of cool. How, how many people are actually closet objectivists anymore, though? You know, certainly I was one of the few who was out of the closet in philosophy graduate school from the get-go. But given my name, I think I pretty much had to be, and I felt that more comfortable. Being, you know, closet is never fun. If you think that your ideas actually could get you fired or discriminated against in other ways in the workplace, for example, you would much rather just get that out of the way so the people who hire you, you know that you're never going to have a problem should that information ever come out about you. But um, maybe it's just like people you didn't know who were, and and so it's just interesting to see objectivists in in different walks of life and stuff. I, I, I like the title, but yeah, I'm arguing against it a little, I guess. I don't know. Um, we can talk about that more another time. So let's talk about Apple. Apple came out with its new product launches this week. And, um, I really like the little don't blink feature that they have. It's of what, about two minutes or so. And they give you the highlights of the whole product launch event. But what are the two big developments? You've got the iPhone seven, and iPhone 7 is adding a few new features. I'm sounding like an ad, right? But it's got your water resistance, which is amazing. It's the first time they've brought water resistance to an iPhone. That's awesome. You know, take it out in the rain when you're jogging or whatever. Um, I don't know. You want to text in the shower or something. <laughs> Just put it down and take a shower. But, yeah, if, if you want to text in the shower, you can do that. Um but, so, you know, sometimes what? You get that all-important phone call and you don't know if you could take the shower or not. Okay, I guess, you know, you go ahead and do that. But you don't want to answer the phone, you know, when the water turns. So, anyway, whatever. Um, I guess texting. Texting is what you're going to do. So, um, that, that important text message for work or something, and, and you have to do it in the shower because you just can't take any time away from work at all. Now you can do it. Uh, what else? So, it's got this wonderful, powerful camera. And controversially for some people, they have eliminated the standard headphone jack. And instead, you're going to plug in headphones and anything else just through the lightning port itself, the lightning port at the bottom. Some people have talked about the fact that, well, you can have only your headphones or your charger plugged in at any one time. And isn't that a problem? Um, one thing I thought about, I've seen this technology at uh, Starbucks where you just lay your iPhone down on top of this thing and it charges it without any plugs whatsoever. So maybe you could still be doing that sort of thing and probably Apple would have resources for you to do that too. But the other thing that they've done with this iPhone 7 is increase the battery life. And some people are showing that there are adapters that you might be able to use to be able to charge and plug in a set of headphones at the same time. But one thing that Apple has intended for you to do is move to wireless headphones. And so 
In terms of specific products, I did include the little video for this new product that they have called AirPods. AirPods. And this is obviously nothing like the earpiece that Hillary Clinton supposedly might have worn the other night at the forum because this is white, it's big, and it's got pieces that stick down because this is not only something that is allowing you to hear sound, but they are microphones. They're little microphones at the end of this. And if you watch the video, I think you're going to be really impressed with the technology of these things because you can double tap one of them in order to turn on Siri. And the microphones that are at the little bottom of these AirPods, as they're calling them, it actually can detect the direction from which your voice is coming. So, you know, everybody's face and ear set and everything is just a little bit different. And so if you wear these in your ear, it's going, the little bottom part, you know, because these are rigid and straight little things. Um, the direction that the, you know, the one that I'm wearing is going to be pointing in relation to my voice is going to be a little bit different than the direction that yours is pointing in relation to your voice, et cetera. And these are geared to hone in on the source of the sound and pick it up more efficiently. Um, it's supposed to deliver amazing sound. Really, really, uh, I mean, it sounds like wonderful technology. So what is the downside of these AirPods? As I see it, the main thing for everyone is that there are two pieces. They are very small. They look like something that you could easily drop. So you're imagining a scenario. Of course, you're not supposed to be wearing something like this when you're driving your car anyway, right? But the the example that people come up with, and and even if you're not driving your car, I mean, so imagine you've been walking around, maybe you were at work or you were on a lunch break or something, you were wearing your AirPods, you were doing some phone calls or something over your lunch break, and now you're going to get in your car and like a good conscientious driver, you're going to take the AirPods out of your ear, you're going to put them away, and you're going to drive with, you know, maybe your Bluetooth device or whatever. You're going to do it properly when you're driving on the road. You're not going to have these things in your ear. So you're pulling them out going to stick them in the little case that Apple makes for you. It's a nice little self-charging case. That's another cool technology, by the way. I think the life of these AirPods is something like five hours of time before the little batteries in each one uh, runs out. But the charging case will last for 24 hours. So you just plug that charging case in at night and you're good to go for the entire day. So it really is cool technology. But yeah, so here you are. You're taking it out of your ear. You're going to put it in a little charging case and suddenly you drop it and you drop it in that never, never land between the car seat and the center divider such that it seems to like slip down in a place underneath your seat that's completely unreachable and no amount of driving ends up moving it to some place that you can find and stuff. And then suddenly you've lost one of them, one of the two pair and these run for 150 some odd dollars retail, if I recall correctly. So they are not cheap. So what's the concern? The concern is you could easily lose it and you could easily lose it in a place where it would be difficult to see it or retrieve it. Someone earlier today when we were talking about this was saying that um, they were saying that maybe the Apple Care, if you buy Apple Care for this product, they would replace it if you did that, but um, 
Now, what is this Arjun saying? I don't know if I should get this one or wait for the ones that they're going to release next year or something. Can you help me, Amy? All of you can chime in. <sighs> yeah, I, I will. I'm, I'm going to help you with this in just a second because I'll tell you about my experience with, with some of the, the Apple technology. Um, yeah, so that's a concern. Would Apple Care replace it if you lost it? That might be something to look into if you are interested in getting these. I, I do think it's cool technology. You've got Johnny Ive selling it in this little clip that I'm sharing with you over at don'tletitgo.com. And Johnny Ive is, is a great salesman. He's not, he's not Steve Jobs, but he's probably the next best thing over there at Apple in terms of introducing these products. They do, they've got clever people, though, that don't blink video. Very, very, very cute. Um, but yeah, the AirPods, they, they look like amazing technology, about 150 bucks. If the Apple care is there for you, if you lose it, I would say it might be worth checking out. I personally would have an issue with investing in these because, uh, I find that the standard earphones that Apple gives you with your iPhone and, you know, they are the same kind of material, this kind of hard plastic glossy looking white material that they've they're making these out of that material and the size and everything that they do for these is you know the standard size that they have is uncomfortable in my ears if I wear those for any length of time and you know again everybody's ears are a little bit different and crazy so I have the sort of ears that are uncomfortable someone earlier today was trying to say that I'm a freak or something I am not a freak and I have evidence I have solid appeal to authority evidence that I'm not a freak because of my ears. And um, you're going to hear my voice change for a second because I'm reaching for something across the table here. One second. So I've got this package. Apple makes alternative, what they call in-ear headphones. And in this package, they offer these little soft like silicone covers and different sizes of these soft silicone covers. They recognize that not everybody's little ear canal there is the same and that you might need something a bit different to be comfortable as you're walking around all day. Cause they want you to be hooked into these things all day long, right? They don't want you to just have it for five minutes for one song and then stop or, you know, do a 10 minute phone call. You need to be able to wear these things for maybe an hour, a couple hours or something and not be uncomfortable. And so, yeah, they, they know this. I imagine that the future generations of the iPods, uh, excuse me, not iPods, AirPods, AirPods will allow for different sizes and things like that and to be worn comfortably. But we're going to have to see how that works. In the meantime, I don't know, am I going to use an adapter or workaround? For me, the iPhone 7 is looking really attractive. You've got, of course, the color range. Some people want the black, you know, the, the matte black that they have plus the jet black that, you know, black is awesome. They say that the black highlights color design, uh, the design features of the phone. For me, you know, there's a lot of different colors. I really like this rose, rose metallic-y, you know, color that they've been putting out there for some of the, the products. And I might check that out at some point. Again, customize, you know, you choose the color that's a tremendous value to you that is going to make you enjoy using this product that enhances your productivity and connectivity with the world. And um, yeah, I, I think, I think it would be fun to do this. So uh, Upshot, if you have found the, you know, regular earphones that Apple has provided, if you found those comfortable and you've liked using those, 
then yeah, Arjun and I would go ahead and spring for these if you value technology and you want to try it. Uh, Harry says, at that price, they're at a risk of being stolen on the street as you are walking. Maybe, right, depending on, on where you're walking. And that's true of a lot of these devices, unfortunately. He says, in Dublin, they would be stolen. Yeah. Um, Justine says, Apple makes me wish my wrist was big enough to wear a watch. Maybe I can be their next big design challenge. Now, you know, Gene, next time I see you, we'll have to compare wrists. But I have a tremendously small wrist. I really do have a very, very small wrist, um, you know, which in some ways is good. You know, you'd be able to wear very small pieces of jewelry. I've got, you know, some handed down in my family or whatever. And it, I think, it's, you know, it's rare that I'm able to wear it. So what I've got is the smallest of the watches that they offer, the 38 millimeter. And with the band, I put it somewhere between the third and the, and the fourth hole. I couldn't imagine that yours would be much smaller than that. So anyway, we can, you can try on if next time I see you at, a, at an event, Gene, you could just try on my Apple watch and see for yourself if you want. But yeah, so, you know, my experience with this, obviously with the, the AirPods, you don't have a choice. You either buy the whole thing or you don't buy the whole thing. But what do you do with something else? Like, you know, what do you like with the Apple Watch, right? I think they debuted it a bit over a year ago. Is that right? The first time that they had the Apple Watch. I went ahead and got it, but I got the cheapest, smallest one that they offered. I need the smallest anyway because of my wrist. So that was an easy choice. If you're a guy, you can't necessarily always go with the, the smallest one. But I just got the smallest and cheapest one, the sport model, and decided I wanted to play with it. I really love Apple. I love Apple even more since it's been fighting the government on issues of privacy and other issues. So I am, you know, and I, but I've been an enthusiastic consumer of Apple products ever since. And I was talking about this with Michael Hausen uh, earlier, uh, you know, on the, on the show that he had today, <sighs> ever since they had that beautiful iMac with the floating screen, you know, where they've got the screen that's up over the domed case. Remember, the, you know, the dome cases, they used to have the CD-ROM drive along with your, you know, hard drive and CPU and, and motherboard and all that stuff. They had a dome. So this circular dome case, and then you've got the floating screen above it. And I love that thing. I love that thing. Yaron Brook had been telling me for probably a couple of years before that, oh, yeah, you should switch to Apple. It's so much more reliable. And at the time, I was running Windows 98 on a Hewlett-Packard HP Pavilion, and it was a disaster. So I eagerly went over to Apple. I, I like them in terms of their products, the ease of use, the quality of the products, and uh, now, of course, their policy. The policies that they have pursued make me a continuing eager adopter. So, yeah, I would, I'd go ahead. If, if you are enthusiastic about trying new technology – for a $150 price tag, it seems, you know, for, for most people, it depends on your budget, but it seems like it might be something you'd want to check out. What I'm debating about is whether I want to upgrade to the new Apple Watch. It might have to wait until Christmas, but the, the new version of the Apple Watch, also water resistant, that seems like something that we really should have had the first time around. But the water resistance, of course, is going to be of tremendous help to athletes 
maybe you want to swim with it and you could swim with this one. It sounds like, because it's not just water, you know, it's water resistant to something like 50 meters. I can't remember. I'm, I'm not a big diver. So to me, you know, if it, if it's water resistant to a few feet, then I'm, I'm perfectly fine out in the rain. Right. I like not having to worry about my electronics. If I'm out in the rain, I, w- I wonder how those AirPods are, by the way, I didn't see water resistance on those. That would be something to check out. Um, Harry says, what do you think of the Apple Ireland tax case? It looks, Harry, like they were trying to get some taxes retroactively and that Apple went in there and, you know, based its operational decisions on being taxed at a certain level and that it seems unfair to retroactively come back and say that they owe more taxes. It does seem like a desperate political move to try to grab more money off of Apple because Apple seems to be doing well when a lot of the companies over there aren't. We did talk about that. I did talk about that briefly in a, in a prior show. Yeah. Just Jean says, yeah, let's compare wrist sizes. Yeah. I've got no problem showing you again. I've got a very small wrist, but I think the smallest Apple watch you could definitely do with that. Yeah. Arjun says, yeah, then I can listen to music in the shower with the AirPods they release next year, perhaps. Yeah. It really should be, waterproof. If you're going to have water resistant phone and people want to take that phone out jogging with them, for example, then you would really want water resistant headphones, AirPods as well. So that's on my wish list for Apple for next time. But again, I would check it out if it was, if it was comfortable, if I knew it was going to be comfortable, I would definitely check out that technology. Um, You know, one of my friends earlier on Facebook was posting, and I'm not going to give a name because he didn't make it public, but let me go over because there has been a lot of complaining about Apple's latest product launches. And I I think a lot of this is unjustified. I agree with my friend over there. So let me go ahead and and just grab what he says. Um, So just know it's not my thought, but I'm not going to give the name because the the friend shared it with only friends on Facebook. It says, when Apple releases a new product that is missing features you like, I understand disappointment, sadness, and even frustration, assuming you're a current customer. But I don't understand, he says, anger and hostility. Apple is doing what it thinks is right for the vast majority of current and future customers. They're pretty good at determining this historically, hence its amazing success but they may be wrong in any particular instance and or you may not be part of that vast majority. Regardless, they haven't injured you or failed to provide something that you're owed. And I agree with that. You know, this, this idea that people just get angry about it. I think some of that is hatred of the good. Apple is good. Uh, would Apple be a bit better if Steve Jobs was still alive? Perhaps. I'm, I'm really not very disappointed. Occasionally I'm disappointed at how some of my software is operating on my computer. I complain about the the beach balls and stuff, but it just might be the case. I need to upgrade my laptop to avoid the, the beach balls. But overall, I have had such a tremendously good time as an Apple customer. I am thrilled with the stuff and I love playing with the new features. And like I said, I love the way that Apple allows you to customize the products so that you can be constantly reminded of your values. With the Apple Watch, for example, I was talking about this a couple weeks ago in the Keeping Your Eye on the, on the Prize show. Uh, you know, Keeping your eye on the prize will entail, I think, in some contexts, 
putting reminders of your values in front of you regularly on a, on a daily basis. And Apple allows you to do this. So with a watch, you can choose to have as your face a single photo that is important to you, or you can even set it to rotate the photos randomly from a little favorites photo gallery on your iPhone. And that's kind of a cool feature, right? I haven't tried that one yet, but you know, imagine you can put photos representing a few of your top values in your favorites photo album on your iPhone. And then every time, you know, you lift up, because what happens with this watch is when you lift it up, that's when the little light turns on, you know, the, it preserves battery by not having the face lit all the time. So, you know, what happens is it goes to sleep for a while. And then the next time you move your arm and you kind of put it up as if you're going to look at your watch, then it's designed to come on and, and it, it does it fairly reliably. Every so often I have to actually add a little tap to it to get it to, to go on. But most of the time, every time, you know, you move up your arm, it, it does it reliably. It, it, you know, it illuminates the screen and you actually get to see your watch face. So imagine each time you are randomly reminded of something that is a value to you and you don't know what it's going to be, but it's something that's going to make you smile or happy. This is wonderful. And I imagine that you could do the same thing with the iPhone, but I haven't tried to do that. I have seen this randomization feature available on the watch, but uh, I it seems like you should be able to do that on the phone as well. Your lock screen, for example, that it could be randomly programmed through your favorites. That is a wonderful thing that Apple does. And again, the privacy policy that they have, the fact that they do everything to make sure that you are sharing with them as little information as possible because they're the third party of the third party doctrine. That is awesome. Um, now, people are talking here in the chat room about a news story. Why would a great writer like Peter Schwartz have a column on the detestable Huffington Post? Now, that is an interesting way to phrase the question. What you might think is, isn't it awesome that... I mean, I don't know if they're detestable. I've, I've found some articles on Huffington Post to be of value, not necessarily in politics usually, except for stuff like Peter Schwartz's, but in, you know, just sort of life stuff, lifestyle things. There's some interesting things on HuffPost. They have interesting psychology things sometimes. So it's not all bad. Um, and as far as I know, Huffington Post doesn't have an explicit editorial philosophy such that if you publish with Huffington Post, then you are deemed to have agreed with and sanctioned some horrible ideas. It's just that by and large, it tends to have more of the bad stuff than the good stuff. But isn't that true out in the culture? Everywhere. Uh, so the way I would phrase the question is, wow, isn't it wonderful that in 2016, we have objectivist writers published on the Huffington Post right alongside all the stuff that we're fighting against so that the truth can have a chance to win over over there. Motive says those are the readers who most need to hear his ideas. Yeah, exactly. That That is the way that I would put it. You know, I don't know that they've released this lecture yet, but there's actually, there's actually two different uh, appearances of Ankar at Objectivist Conference from this past summer that I think you know, people should go ahead and, and watch and listen to and, and digest some things from. Uh, one of them was 
the Objectivist Movement 2.0, where Ankar is talking about kind of how ARI sees itself within the current Objectivist Movement. The Objectivist Movement is broader than just ARI. There's a lot of different organizations and things. And then I believe it was in a Q&A later in the week that he and Yaron did, where Ankar was talking about some of these issues of sanction, right? When you, you know, when ARI is choosing to deal with other organizations and maybe outlets like Huffington Post and stuff, what sort of questioning process do they go through? I would, I would say definitely look at that. Um, yeah. They say, thanks everyone in the, in the chat room. Um, Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's good to you know to to see Peter Schwartz and other people on the Huffington Post. That is the way that I would phrase a question. Isn't it wonderful that he is out there being published? If somebody could get a column at New York Times, so I, see again, I don't think New York Times is bad right now. I think New York Times is is quite good. You know, because they are actually starting to publish some of the truth, and and they are now acknowledging that Ayn Rand exists, which they used to completely ignore her. This is all progress. I see it all as as progress out there. So we should go back, right, to DontLetItGo.com. Did we talk enough about Apple and their their wonderful products? Let's talk about Aleppo. What is Aleppo after all? And Maybe and I wanted to just take an informal poll in the chat room. Would you know what Aleppo is? I wonder if, if Corey, is that your answer that Aleppo is a tasty spice? Is there something I don't know? Yes, that was your answer that it's a tasty spice. Uh, I mean, I I knew from the news stories that Aleppo was a gaffe that Gary Johnson made. I also know that if I was going to go out there and market myself as a politician who was going to have influence over foreign policy, that I would go ahead and make sure to know about Aleppo um, because I would be questioned by people in the media like this guy that Johnson had to face. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit embarrassing. This is something that is a little bit, you know, it's just another disappointment with Johnson. There's a number of disappointments with Johnson. Is he still so much better than the other two candidates to me? Yes, he is. But what I'm actually going to do the day before the election, I'm, I'm leaving up to the very last minute. One thing I do know though, I'm, I'm sorry. I do have to disagree with my friend, Jonathan Honig. I think he's voting for Hillary. I can't vote for Hillary Clinton. I can't vote for her. I may not vote at all. I may vote for Gary Johnson. I doubt I'm going to vote for Trump. Something really horrible would have to happen for me to vote for Trump. I think I'm just going to either sit it out or vote for Gary Johnson, but I'm not even that excited about that. And this story is another thing that would make me less excited about it. It says, Libertarian presidential candidate, former New Mexico Governor Gary Johnson went on MSNBC's Morning Joe and that was earlier this week. So which day of the week was that? Do I have a date from Slate? Yeah, September 8th. So this was just yesterday, and it got around that quickly. He admitted that he did not know what Aleppo was. And they say, yes, this is a pretty big mistake for someone who's likely to get millions of votes. But the thing that is more embarrassing, right, is that the New York Times wrote a story about this gaffe and in their own story about the gaffe, they got it wrong. 
in their own story, they misidentified Aleppo. So someone named Alan Rappaport over at the New York Times, he says, you know, that, um, you know, what is Aleppo? Mr. Johnson said when asked on MSNBC how, as president, he would address the refugee crisis in the Syrian city that is the de facto capital of the Islamic State. Now, then it turns out that Aleppo is not the de facto capital of the Islamic State. The de facto capital is apparently Raqqa, not Aleppo. Uh, But they say, okay, the paper realized its mistake pretty quickly and changed the story. They went ahead and said, no, instead it is a stronghold of the Islamic State. And it turns out that that was another gaffe that Aleppo is not either a stronghold. So it's not the de facto capital. It is not a stronghold. It is, in fact, a divided city. It doesn't have very much of an ISIS presence at all. There's heavy ongoing fighting between the Syrian government and other rebels in Aleppo. So the Times had to change it again. And this time they got it right. They call it the war-torn Syrian city. So New York Times, bad, 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 although, again, I've been pleasantly surprised by New York Times in recent past and have been relying on them for a lot of news. In addition, there's a gentleman named Christopher Hill. He was the U.S.'s ambassador to Iraq under Obama, and he also made the Raqqa Aleppo mistake while he was ostensibly laughing at Johnson's expense on television. That's embarrassing, right? Jamie Weinstein tweets out, pro tip, don't use foreign policy credentials to criticize a politician for not knowing what Aleppo is and then say it's an ISIS capital. That is, yes, really a bad thing to do. You're not going to want to go out there, especially on live television, and say that you know something when actually you don't. The the person over at Slate, like Ben Mathis uh, Lilly, he... <laughs> At the end of his little piece here, he puts a disclaimer, and you have to do this. You have to be very safe. And I should put a disclaimer, a meta disclaimer myself, right? He says, to be clear, I published this post with full knowledge that according to the law of cascading condescension, I have made a ghastly factual error of my own somewhere within it. (laughs) And that may or may not be the case. But um, yeah, New York Times, to have the New York Times get it wrong that many times, I would say, is unprecedented. John Kenny says, I would fire the reporter for references to Aleppo. John Kenny says, I will probably write in Carly Fiorina. Trump is fighting Cruz's campaign, so he's out. So, John, just to be clear, because Trump is fighting against Cruz's, or I'm, I'm not understanding. Oh, because, okay, so you're not going to vote for Trump, but you would write in Carly because Carly was your first choice. I might write in Cruz. That, of course, is another option. I was talking to a liberal earlier today, and this guy, he's in Massachusetts, and he was saying, yeah, you know, he's not in the swing state anyway. He's probably going to vote for Hillary or whatever. And I at least made the point of saying, well, wasn't Cruz good at least to not endorse Trump? Doesn't that show he's got some integrity? And this guy, a liberal, said, yeah, he was pleasantly surprised about that. And I you know, said, not that I agree with everything Cruz says, but he was my choice. And I think that the fact that Cruz did not endorse Trump 
shows a lot of integrity, and I'm hoping it's going to pay off for him politically in the future. I saw some headline recently, Cruz is back and stuff. I know Cruz is very active on the important issues. He continues to do so on Facebook. I follow his page. I give him the likes. You just want to keep supporting him when he is fighting about the issues that we care about. That is going to be a survival strategy for the next four years, regardless of who gets into office, I think. Yeah. Uh, let's go back over. Don't let it go.com. See where I am. Oh, yeah. So after the gaffe, yeah, foreign policy is quite important. Why does it matter whether during a foreign policy forum Hillary Clinton has to, in order to appear so knowledgeable, perhaps wear an earpiece? Why does it matter that Donald Trump comes across as not really knowing what he's talking about? In foreign policy, and now, unfortunately, Gary Johnson maybe doesn't know a detail. You know what? What that Aleppo story does show you, though, right? Is that yes, it would be so much better if Gary Johnson knew what in the world Aleppo was before he did that interview. At the same time, if you have the New York Times and you have commentators on, you know, television who've had time to prep on the topic, if you have them making a mistake about Aleppo and themselves not really even knowing exactly what Aleppo is, not even able to get their story straight, then I think the amount that we blame Gary Johnson is down. Certainly I couldn't have told you what Aleppo was before this story came out, but if I was going to talk, you know, get interviewed about foreign policy on somebody else's show, even just as any kind of commentator on foreign policy, I would go out there and study this much less. If you're running for commander in chief, you would want to be up to speed on it. So it's not ideal, but the subsequent gaffes of people who are commenting on this story, it just shows you how, how bad is it really that he didn't know exactly. So what's at stake foreign policy wise? Yes. 15 years the 15th anniversary of 9-11 is coming up on Sunday. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry about the sound, you guys, there. i got a little computer ad coming in to haunt us. Uh, 15 years after the anniversary of 9-11-2001, we have the al-Qaeda leader marking 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11, with an ominous message. It says, the leader of al-Qaeda appeared in a video online today ahead of the 15th anniversary of September 11th, calling the deadly attack a slap to the U.S. and its allies. And then he says, this is al-Zawahiri threatening the U.S., quote, as long as your crimes continue, then the events of September 11th will be repeated a thousand times, Allah permitting. End quote. And they say the video is part of Al-Qaeda's recent push to remain relevant in a world in which a rival terrorist organization, ISIS, draws more attention and far more recruits, according to former White House counterterrorism advisor Richard Clark. Uh, quote from Clark, it says, the fact that he is communicating on the anniversary is an attempt by him to remind everybody that he exists and is the nominal head of Al-Qaeda, says Clark. So they're trying to say, look, he's just trying to be relevant. Maybe it doesn't necessarily mean so much. Uh, John Brennan, in a recent interview, said that while Al-Qaeda has been diminished through aggressive counterterrorism efforts, the group is, quote, still a very serious concern and threat. And the core of Al-Qaeda, Zawahiri, and others of that ilk still think of the West as the major enemy. 
He says, so I do believe that they consider United States to be a principal target, Brennan told the Combating Terrorism Center at West Point. By the way, I'm reading an ABC News story. And I just was reading, you know, U.S. is a principal target. They have it spelled P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E. No, it's P-A-L, ABC News. It is distressing to see really, you know, respected, I guess what you would call them, you know, legacy news sites like ABC or like New York Times make mistakes like this. But, yeah, principal, principal. It's good to get those straight. It's one of the easier ones, I think, to keep straight in terms of common gas. Harry asks if I've ever been to Ireland here in the chat room. Yes, I have. Definitely enjoyed my stay. I ended up, I think, about spending about five days in one of these castles that are set up for tourists. They've made them into a, a hotel next to a little village and stuff. It was just really a beautiful, relaxing vacation but I didn't see cities at all arrived at the airport drove straight out and I drove right so I drove on the wrong side of the road I would call it in a stick shift and this is going to sound like I'm exaggerating but it was really true so I drove for the first time on the wrong side of the road in a stick shift all the roundabouts and all that stuff imagine that that's a little bit hard to navigate when you're going on the wrong side of the road but I did all this it was raining and the car's windshield wipers were broken, too, so that it was like this smeary windshield. So all of this, and I drove through Ireland. It was so awesome. Luckily, it was mostly just this countryside where if I made a mistake, and I probably did make several mistakes, there were no life or death consequences to it. But, yes, I, I loved it. It was, it was a great little retreat. I had spent nine days in London just jam-packed with touristy awesome stuff to see you know like two or three things per day to see which over a course of nine days can get exhausting so just went out to Ireland and relaxed it was it was really a lot of fun so I would like to go back again certainly I've got part Irish in me and uh, yeah I wouldn't mind going back at all so that was a fun little diversion Uh, what else do I have over at the blog I want to give a little bit of time to my story yeah so what what's the upshot al-qaeda it might be all bluster there might be something real i would say regardless whenever you're out on september 11th anymore you just need to be vigilant unfortunately that's that's part of our life that we have to be vigilant i highly recommend that you go over to don'tletitgo.com and check out the link to this story about the man who smuggled the photos home from North Korea when he took a trip there. It is amazing. It's very rare to be able to see pictures of North Korea. You'd have to go there yourself to see what is seen there. And there are wonderful captions and description throughout this story, too. I think you will be amazed that this guy was was able to do it and provided uh, such an insight into what life there is like. You know, again, thinking about it today when you've got a dictator potentially set on destroying the United States. I think it's an, an important thing. Uh, let me go over here. Yes, Blog Talk still has me connected. I got a few minutes left, so I want to try to give a proper tribute to an athlete whom we lost this week. And, uh, you know, I, I've been a dog agility competitor, competitor. I've been a dog agility enthusiast since the time that I haven't been able to compete in the last few years. 
But this particular dog, who was a world agility champion, a gold, a gold medalist at the FCI in 2011, her name was Luca de la Brice, and she just happened to be the litter mate of my own dog. I have a, a dog who's now going on 14 years old, Boo. And I have known this dog, Luca, since our dogs were trying to think probably about nine ish, no, six months old, six months old or so, because it was March, 2003 that I got to go on a hike with the owner of this dog, Luca and Luca with me and and my boo. And um, yeah, we just lost, lost Luca to cancer, but this dog was so amazing. And it was of course, in massive part due to the handling of Ashley Deacon. Ashley Deacon has been her owner from the beginning. The amazing thing, and I call, I call Ashley Deacon the Michael Jordan of dog agility. And it is no joke to say that maybe, maybe that's not fair to Ashley Deacon. So what I recommend, if you don't know anything about dog agility, it's that sport where the dogs are doing the obstacle courses. You may have seen it on TV sometimes. It is an amazing sport. The handler has to guide the dog through a course that the dog has never seen before that second. So keep that in mind, that this dog has never seen this particular course before this run that you see by Ashley Deacon. This is the gold medal winning run. Go to DontLetItGo.com. Check it out. Um, if you're drinking alcohol anytime near the time of this show, you can just give a little toast to Ashley and Luca. Unfortunately, he had to lose. He lost Luca this week to cancer. So kudos to you, Ashley. Kudos to Luca. Everyone, thanks for listening. I've run out of time. Like I said, go to DontLetItGo.com. Check out the program notes, leave comments, et cetera. And at the blog, you can also find all the other ways to get in touch with me, social media and otherwise. So thanks for listening. You guys have a good weekend and have a safe weekend, hopefully. Hoping no big bad news this week, and we will talk to you next Friday. Take care.